0: Good evening and welcome to the Spirit and Life Bible Study. My name is Jonathan. Our reader is Kara tonight. And our topic is to fulfill the law and the prophets. We've been talking about reasons why Jesus came into this world. And this is a very prominent reason why he came into the world, to fulfill the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets mean the Old Testament. Now this is uh, interesting because there's been a rumor circulating around Christianity for a few hundred years or millennia. Uh, that Jesus came into the world in order to do away with the law, to do away with the Ten Commandments, uh, to replace the Old Testament, uh, to lay all that aside, to you know, make everything new and so on. Uh, and yet Jesus says very explicitly, I came not to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And the law and the prophets mean that whole Old Testament So let's look at passages in Scripture tonight about how the Lord, what did it mean that he fulfilled the law and the prophets, and what was he doing when he did that? What lessons did that have for us in our lives? I invite you to join us, and let's have an opening prayer. Shall we, friends? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you're the one God of heaven and earth. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us together in your name. We are studying the nature of your word and how it is that you live by the word. What was the word to you? Amen. Thank you, everyone, for coming, sending out love to those of you online and those of you on the phone, getting the audio and so on, and looking at fulfilling the law and the prophets. To fill the law and the prophets. The Hebrew scriptures or the Old Testament is divided into categories. And interestingly, uh, the law is the first five books of Moses. And then we know that the prophets are like Isaiah through Malachi. But actually, the way that the Hebrew scriptures were uh, viewed, the historical works too, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, Joshua, Judges before that, were were considered the former prophets. They were also called prophets. So in other words, the law and the prophets is a term that covers everything from Genesis to Malachi. And so the law and the prophets is something that Jesus came to fulfill. Let's read where he says that. I want to read three key passages tonight, and then we'll get some other supporting ones. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5, right in the Sermon on the Mount. And... uh, Look at verses 17 and 18.
1: Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill.
0: Yes. Now this is quite amazing because there are, it's amazing that there's rumors going around that Jesus came here to do away with the law, that he he did away with the Ten Commandments. You don't need to bother with that anymore. It's all about faith. It's not about the way you live. In fact, some really extreme positions hold that your good works are actually detrimental to your salvation because they're smeared with your grubby fingers and your merit, your desire to earn salvation and everything, and they actually interfere. Others believe that they're a good thing, they're the fruits of your faith, but the most important thing and the thing that saves you is your faith. Um, And there's a lot of people who think that the Old Testament was sort of, off track uh, in some way, and that everything got set straight in, in the New Testament. So isn't it amazing that Jesus anticipated that, and in a preemptive strike, he says, don't think that. Don't think that thing that I can see you're going to be thinking a thousand years from now. Can you read it again? What does it say?
1: Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill.
0: Yes, to fulfill. So I take that to mean to fulfill the law. First of all, the law of the Ten Commandments, but also to fulfill everything in the five books of Moses and all the other books of what we now call the Old Testament. He came to fulfill them. Well, what, what does fulfill mean? We'll be thinking about that a lot tonight. And let's read verse 18.
1: For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled.
0: Okay, now that sounds like the, it's, it's very important. The law is very important and no piece of it will pass away. But it says till it's all fulfilled. What happens when it is fulfilled? What's, what's going to happen then? That's a little more ambiguous. But the first statement is so clear. Uh, I did not come to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. He came to fulfill, I take that to mean he came to fulfill the Old Testament, to live the Old Testament. That's what I think to fulfill means here, to cut to the chase. Another very important passage along these lines is at the end of Matthew chapter 26. Uh, Let's start at verse 47 here. This is the sort of the denouement whatever you want to call it. This is this is that crucial moment where they come after him right before the crucifixion, where the crowds come and Judas betrays him. Let's have a look at this.
1: And while he was still speaking, behold Judas, one of the 12, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying whomever i kiss he is the one sees him immediately he went up to jesus and said greetings rabbi and kissed him mm. but jesus said to him friend why have you come
0: isn't it great that he calls him friend and he knows exactly why he's come but he's he's asking what wants judas to reflect a friend why why have you come
1: then they came and laid hands on jesus and took him and suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest, and cut off his ear. Mm. But Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do now you listen
0: to this, go ahead.
1: Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father, and he will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels?
0: Yes, I don't just need this ragtag group of still extant human beings to to defend me. I could have 12 legions of angels here with me in a moment, but...
1: How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus?
0: Listen to that. Isn't that interesting? That even at the moment of the crucifixion, at the end of his life, he's concerned with how the scriptures would be fulfilled. This would not be the right thing for the fulfilling... Of the scriptures. The scriptures don't say it's going to go that way, so we can't be cutting off people's ears here. That's not what we're doing. Um, Oh, let's just read a couple more verses.
1: In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you, teaching in the temple, and you did not seize me.
0: Mm, But.
1: But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled.
0: Mm, and then what happened?
1: Then all the disciples forsook him and fled.
0: Which was also a fulfillment of scripture. It was said in scripture that they would do that. Uh, all this was done so that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Uh, this is very, the fact that he mentions it twice within two verses of each other, in verse 54 and verse 56, he, it's very much on his mind the fulfillment of scripture. Scripture made certain prophecies. We need to be following that script because it's of, of the utmost importance. Uh, so why? what are you doing here? But I know what's going on because I read the book. I know how it turns out. And uh, so that was part of his attitude. And turn to the right and go through Mark to Luke. Go to chapter 24. As some of you may have heard me mention before, if, if, you, if you were stranded on a desert island and you only had one chapter, this Luke 24 would be a great one to have with you. It just makes so many great points about the inner sense of Scripture, the purpose of Jesus' coming, all kinds of things come out here. And uh, let's look at, verse, start at verse started Verse 44. Verse 44 of... Um. Well, okay, let's go back to verse 25. You talked me into it.
1: <laughs> then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken.
0: Yes, and you may know this is on the road to Emmaus. He's walking with two disciples. They don't recognize him. They think he's a stranger. They're surprised that he doesn't seem to know what's going on because he's asking them kind of innocent leading questions and stuff. And all of a sudden, and they, they're expressing surprise... You know, they thought that Jesus was going to redeem Israel. and Instead, it's gone in this other direction. And all of a sudden, he starts chiding them. And he calls them fools and slow of heart to believe what?
1: To believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Oh. Ought ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory?
0: And then what did he do?
1: And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures. Which
0: probably means just a few.
1: All the, scriptures. all the
0: scriptures. Okay, he expounded to them in all the scriptures.
1: The things concerning himself.
0: Wow. Okay. So there were things. There were. You mean there were things about Jesus in the Old Testament? Look at that. And he's actually chiding them for not believing the prophets. Like the prophets said this. Didn't you get it? Of course, it was going to go this way. And all of a sudden he went from being someone who knew nothing about it to chiding them (laughs) for not being on board with what the prophets were talking about. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And then look down at verse 44. Then he meets with the other disciples behind closed doors and appears all of a sudden. And then he says in verse 44,
1: These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all things must be fulfilled.
0: Must be what? Fulfilled. Fulfilled. All things. Well, all what things?
1: All things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me.
0: Oh, there's the law. There's the prophets. And the Psalms are thrown in as a separate category just for good luck concerning (laughs) Jesus. All things must be fulfilled. Now, I find this such a powerful passage because when you're reading the Old Testament on the surface of it, not every character or not every story has a Jesus in it who's getting killed and stuff. You know, like, where did he get that? Somehow out of the Old Testament, he got the idea that this is the way it was going to go. And he says that all things must be fulfilled, which are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And then what does he do for them?
1: And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures.
0: Oh, so the scriptures, even though you can read every word on the page, you don't necessarily understand them until he opens your understanding. Okay. Then he. You go on.
1: Keep going. Then yeah. he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer. Necessary. And
0: to... Mm. Hmm. Hmm.
1: necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Hmm. And you are witnesses of these things.
0: Yes, and he goes on to talk about how they'll get power from on high and so on. So repentance is right in there. Like, isn't that part of the thus it is written? Right? There's a whole chain of things in verses 46 and 47. Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead, and that repentance and remission of sins in his name should be preached to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Uh, so those three passages to me uh, certainly testify to the importance of Scripture and the idea that not just the crucifixion, but the entire story, his whole life, was predicted in the Old Testament and that the fulfilling of Scripture was a chief part of his mission into this world. All right, let's look at some other passages. There, there are very many of these. We'll just select a few. Let's go back to the left to Matthew to chapter four. Now, Matthew's well known as being a gospel that talks a lot about the fulfillment of the Old Testament. But I don't know if people realize that all four of the Gospels very explicitly talk about the fulfillment of Scripture, and Acts talks about it too. Uh, look at 4, verses 13 and 14 here.
1: In leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum.
0: This is Jesus. So he left Nazareth, and he went and dwelt in Capernaum.
1: Which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. That, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan Galilee of the Gentiles the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death light has dawned.
0: Yes now why did he why did he relocate he found cheaper housing why did he relocate he thought the weather would be better over there. He relocated because Scripture said he's going to live on the boundary of Zebulun and Naphtali. He'll be by the sea, the Galilee of the Gentiles. And there's this beautiful prediction about these people who are sitting in darkness see the great light. He did that to fulfill what Isaiah said in the Old Testament. So he is allowing Scripture to determine the movements of of his life this is living by the Word and isn't it fun to think about Jesus when he's younger he's reading the Word and he's getting to know it and he sees this passage in Isaiah and he goes oh you know <laughs> like a light turns on or something and he thinks about and so later on when it's time he it says, well that's where I should be I should be on that border between Zebulun and Naphtali that's significant has an inner meaning And uh, I can reach the people who are there and so on. Good, good. How about chapter 8 in Matthew? Verse hmm, 16.
1: When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word. Oh,
0: with a word. Interesting. Okay, he cast out the spirits with a word.
1: And healed all who were sick.
0: And why did you do that?
1: That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses.
0: Yes. So you could answer the question, why did he heal? Because the Old Testament told him to heal. That's why he was involved in healing. Uh, Look at chapter 12. Uh, let's read, uh, starting at verse 15. We'll just jump in the middle of the story here. But.
1: but when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Uh-huh. Yet he warned them not to make him known.
0: Oh, why not? Why, the- why would he tell people, don't make me known? That's odd. He's doing this amazing thing, healing them. Why would he say, don't make me known?
1: That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. Mm. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. Mm. He will not quarrel, nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, Mm. and smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory. And in his name Gentiles will trust.
0: Yes, so Matthew's again emphasizing the fact that Jesus was doing what he was doing because of what the scripture said. He's following the script. He's doing what it tells him to do. Uh, Look at chapter 13. There's a great statement here that I love very much where it says this whole of Matthew 13 is all parables. And then in... um, Verse 34, it starts to tell you why everything is in parables. Mm
1: -hmm. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them, Mm. that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world.
0: So part of the answer, I'm interested in questions like, how did Jesus become Jesus? How did he go? You see him in infancy. You see him when he's 12 years old. He's asking smart questions. All of a sudden, when he's 30, he's healing and he's full of wisdom and he's preaching and casting out devils and raising the dead. How did that happen? How did he turn into that? Well, an answer is he followed scripture. Scripture showed him how to become that, and that's what he did. And you can see it there. Uh, why is he speaking parables? One of the main things he's known for is because the Old Testament said he's going to speak in parables. And so he's reading that Old Testament, and he gets the idea this is the way to do it. Look at chapter 21. Verse 4, this is about the triumphal entry and he goes and tells his disciples that they'll find uh, the foal and and all the stuff that he can ride on. And look at verse 4.
1: All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, tell the the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey.
0: Yes, that's right. Uh, So the triumphal entry was a fulfillment of scripture in the Old Testament. Uh, look at Matthew 27, a little beyond where we were just a little earlier. Uh, even during the crucifixion, look at verse 35.
1: Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Now,
0: interestingly, that comes from Psalm 22, which we may be looking at in a little bit. And it's interesting that it calls the psalmist the prophet, like the the prophet said this. So the Psalms, too, contain prophecies. And the reason that happened, even though those people didn't know that they were fulfilling prophecy, uh, it happened that way because Scripture had prophesied that it would be that way. Okay, let's go to one more in here. Let's do uh, verse 46. Such a very, very powerful moment when Jesus is actually on the cross. 27 verse 46 in Matthew.
1: And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me?
0: Okay, now... Let's turn back to Psalm 22. In the middle of your book there, back in the Old Testament, let's look at Psalm 22. Now, does that start again?
1: God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me?
0: Now, a lot of people are aware that Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? And they've thought a lot about why he said that. But I don't hear many people talking about the fact that he was quoting Psalm 22. Mm. He's still doing the scripture thing when he's up there on the cross. So, and let's look a little more at Psalm 22.
1: Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Mm. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and I'm not silent.
0: Okay, and let's look down at verse 6
1: but I'm a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. Mm. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head saying, he trusted in the Lord, let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him.
0: Now, wasn't there something when he's on the cross and they say, well, if you trust in, you know, uh, why don't you? Get God to, you know, why don't you mm. jump down from the cross or get God to take you down or something like that. Uh, look at verse 11. Heartbreaking, huh?
1: Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help.
0: You ever felt that way, friends? Mm-hmm. Not a good feeling. Uh, look at verse... Uh, okay, let's keep going from there.
1: Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. Not
0: literally, not literal bulls, but Jesus was very deep in his reading of Scripture, and he knew what that stood for, and he knew that this was the fulfillment of it in the crucifixion. Go on.
1: They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. Mm. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. Mm. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. Now,
0: there's nothing in the New Testament per se... That I can think of where Jesus says, here's how I'm feeling while the crucifixion is going on. Mm. I'm going through this. I'm feeling that. This psalm in the Old Testament is sort of giving you the inside scoop, isn't it? It's telling you, this is what it felt like. I felt like everybody was mocking me. Go on.
1: Um, my Verse 15. S- my strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. Mm. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. And they did what? They pierced my hands and my feet.
0: Oh, they did? They pierced your hands and your feet? Okay.
1: I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. What else do they They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots.
0: Yes, isn't that amazing? So there's that passage we were just talking about, the fulfillment of Scripture. The the crucifixion was a fulfillment of lots of things here in Psalm twenty-two. And the amazing thing is that it ends with a very positive feeling about, yes, future generations will come along and and they they will be good and they'll serve the Lord and so on. Uh, so it ends on a positive note. So I find it very amazing that he's and they didn't understand him at all in Matthew 27. When Jesus said that, they didn't realize he was quoting Psalm 22. They thought he was calling out to Elijah or something. And, you know, they completely missed the reference. But he's quoting Psalm 22. Now that to me, there's something really. Is this a person who's devoted to Scripture? Do you feel? Was Scripture important to this gentleman? As he's being tortured and killed, he's quoting Scripture. You know, it's still just pouring out of it. Mm. It's amazing. Hey, look at Mark 15. You'll see another detail of crucifixion. Mark 15, verses 27 to 28.
1: With him, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors.
0: Okay, we're not in Matthew anymore. This is in Mark. And Mark is telling us another detail of the crucifixion that was a fulfillment of scripture. He was numbered with the transgressors. Mm. Mm. Keep going? No, No. it's great stuff. Mm. And it fits very well. The wagging of the head and all that is just like Psalm 22, isn't it? They're wagging their heads and and mocking him and so on. Have a look at Luke 4, which is a particularly beautiful one. Luke chapter 4, let's start at verse 16. This is still pretty early, like Luke chapter 4. You know, the whole thing is just getting going. You've had the Christmas story and so on. And things are just getting underway here. And let's start at verse 16 there.
1: So he came to Nazareth. This
0: is Jesus. He came to Nazareth.
1: Where he had been brought up. Uh huh. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read.
0: Mm. I can't tell from that whether his custom was to stand up to read. But they generally would get people, whoever knew how to read, and not many people did. Mm. It was like a 1% literacy rate. Uh, I don't know whether they would get him to read every week because he was good at reading or whether his custom was to go to the synagogue every week, and this particular week he stood up to read. But in any case, there was a custom of his, and he went in there, and...
1: And he was handed the book of the prophet
0: Isaiah. Now, a little fun fact for you, friends, is that Isaiah is one of the longest books of the Bible, 66 chapters long. It's, it's huge. And so these would be on scrolls. So it's a giant scroll, and they didn't have verses. As far as I understand back then, they didn't even have... Gaps between words. It was just letter, all just, and Hebrew is economical because it only has consonants, no vowels, and so you know just the rows and rows. It's quite baffling to read, and um, so he's handed the book of Isaiah, which he probably thinks, well that's that's sweet. So what does he do?
1: I I lost my verse in seventeen. Thank you. Mm And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written.
0: Ah, and then he reads something. Now, out of 66 chapters, he finds the place that's in chapter 61. That's a lot of... You know, it, it would take a while to scroll back and find... They didn't have chapters. They didn't have verses. It's just a big sea of text. But he finds his way right back to chapter 61 all the way at the back of the scroll, okay? And what does he read?
1: The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Mm. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Which really down. means
0: scrolling it up. That's right. And, and the, what did you do?
1: And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him.
0: I love this little detail. Isn't that great? <laughs> Where he just puts it back and then he sits down and no, nobody can breathe. You know, they're just like hanging there in suspense. And what does he say?
1: And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That's right.
0: Today, this scripture. Now, how explicit is that, (laughs) right? To go find that little spot. And then he says that story in Isaiah 61 is about this day and me standing here talking to you right now. Uh, It's awesome. And uh, in verse 22, how do they react?
1: So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth.
0: Yes, and by verse 28, how did they feel?
1: Mm. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath <laughs> <laughs> and rose up and thrust, thrust him out of the city. That's right. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Whoa. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way.
0: Yes. Okay. So, you know, it was good preaching. Let's just say that. Um, (laughs) So at first they sort of, wow, that was really wonderful. And then then they have have a dialogue back and forth that I skipped there and they get very angry. Uh, But such powerful, such a powerful moment where he reads that and says, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Just amazing. Okay, how about John 13? So turn to the right. This again gets into the crucifixion. John 13, let's look at verses 17 and 18. So did we see some in Matthew? Yes. Did we see some in Mark? Yep. How about Luke? Yep. Here we are in John. Okay, and look at 13, verse 18.
1: I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me.
0: That's a reference to Judas. So again, this is so that the scripture may be fulfilled. Okay, uh, have a look at, um, oh, let's look at uh, f- chapter 15. And look at verses 24 and 25.
1: If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause.
0: Yes, that's in the Old Testament. They hated me without a cause. Uh, So this is to fulfill the scripture. He understands that everything is in the book and he's just living in the book and things are happening the way that it had been predicted that they would. Look at chapter 17, verse 12. Again, a reference to Judas and the other disciples.
1: While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name.
0: Those are his followers and disciples and so on.
1: Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition. And that's a
0: reference to Judas Iscariot who betrayed him.
1: That the scripture might be fulfilled. There
0: you go. That The scripture might be fulfilled. Uh, Also, again, John talks more about the crucifixion. Look at chapter 19. Mm -hmm. Look at verse 28. Specific little things that happened.
1: After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I
0: thirst. Yes. There are a couple of different ways you could read that, but the way I take it is that in order to fulfill the scriptures, he says, I thirst. Um, Again, fulfilling the scriptures is a preoccupation of his and look at verses even after the after his body passes away verses 36 and
1: 37 for these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled not one of his bones shall be broken and and again another scripture says they shall look on him who they pierce so the piercing
0: <laughs> So look at all these details the two robbers him saying that i thirst the you know all these details being pierced and the the bones and And all that, all comes out of fulfilling scripture. Uh, And let's look at two more passages real quick. In Acts chapter 1, verse 16, Peter stands up to give a speech, and this is the very first thing he says in verse 16.
1: Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Yes, that's
0: right. So Peter 2 is saying that was a fulfillment of Scripture. And look at chapter 3, verses uh, 18 and following.
1: But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, uh-huh. that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Uh-huh. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord.
0: Look at that. Isn't that interesting? There again, didn't we see in Luke 24 that there was kind of a quick connection between this is written, it's been fulfilled, and therefore repent or preach repentance to everybody. And isn't it the same thing here? Uh, Those things which God showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he has fulfilled, repent. You know, the very, very next nice thing. Christ suffered, you repent. Those things are linked together, are they not? So um, it is not only, these are just passages, all of which, if you happen to notice, mention the word fulfilled. But there are many other indications in the New Testament of the fulfillment of the Old Testament. So often I love the way that Jesus will, you know, when he's driving out the money changers, doesn't he quote Jeremiah and say, you know, you've made my house a den of thieves and so on. He's quoting scripture. If you have one of those Bibles that has the references in it, he the New Testament is just full of quotes and allusions to the Old Testament there are lots of direct quotes where, where Jesus specifically says haven't you read the scripture have not haven't you read what was written about this and that and the other thing uh, so you get a very real sense that this was just a driving force in the Lord's life he was reading intensely in that Old Testament and he was living by it. This is what makes it so amazing to me that anyone could pass off as Christianity the idea that you don't have to or even that you shouldn't live by the word. It's just amazing when you think of that example. Now, now, friends, wouldn't you say that to submit to torture because the Word teaches that that's what you will go through, is taking living the Word to a ridiculous extreme. Wouldn't you say that's a bit over the top? Wouldn't, shouldn't you sort of stop short somewhere of that? It's amazing that Jesus, I'm just being facetious, but isn't it amazing that Jesus went so far with this thing that if it's said, You know, he said, I could could bring down 12 legions of angels, but that's not what we're doing. The script says, I'm going to be tortured, I'm going to be killed, I will rise again. Uh, That's what we're doing here. His following of scripture was so incredibly uh, complete. Uh, And it was all, it had to be, just to hit on a point we made late last time, I think that It's the Old Testament that he's following. There was no New Testament, right? There wasn't any New Testament. All the scriptures that were being fulfilled were the Old Testament. And what did he say again? Where where did we start tonight? He said that he didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. Isn't that what he said? And the law and the prophets are the whole Old Testament. And didn't he say in Luke 24 that he showed... All he opened up all the scriptures to them and that everything in there was about him. So what is a lesson that we can take from this? Well, let's, here, here's a fun little thing. Let's let's go look in Genesis all the way to the left in the Old Testament, if you will. Uh, we're going to Genesis chapter 41. Let's look at Genesis chapter 41. I don't know if you remember the story, good friends of Joseph, uh, how he had been in prison and then Pharaoh, he he was sort of discovered and he was lifted up to be the second in command of the whole land because he was seen to have this great wisdom and he could interpret dreams and everything. There's a wonderful little phrase that just came to mind in connection with this Bible study. Uh, Look at verse 55 toward the end of that chapter, Genesis 41. What does Pharaoh tell the people of Egypt when they're starving? There was a huge famine and they were all starving.
1: So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Mm. Then Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph, whatever he says to you,
0: do. Do. Hear that word? Do. Now, are you supposed to do a little bit or a third of what he says?
1: Whatever he says.
0: Whatever he says... Do it. That's what Pharaoh is telling everybody. So they're all starving. They're crying to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh says, go to Joseph and whatever he says to you, do it. Did Jesus take the Old Testament and whatever it said, he did it. Whatever it said. If it said, be humiliated, I'm doing it. If it said, everybody will oppose you and mock you, you'll be physically hurt, you'll be tortured, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. Joseph is a figure of the Lord. Whatever he says to you, do it. Look at another passage. Let's go all the way to the other end of your Bible to the Gospel of John again. Let's look at John chapter 2. Because here's a story about Jesus and his mother. This is the first miracle that he does. And I love this little exchange. Let's just read the first few verses. And this is the uh, marriage feast in Cana.
1: On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Uh huh. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine.
0: So the mother of Jesus goes to Jesus. It's not his feast. He wasn't in charge of bringing, you know, Provisions or drinks or whatever, but she goes to Jesus and she says they have no wine What does Jesus say?
1: Jesus said to her woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come
0: And then what does she say to the servants on the basis of that exchange? So she went to him and she said they have no wine and he says What do I have to do with you? It's not not my time. This has nothing to do with me. It's not my business. And she feels very encouraged by that. And what does she say <laughs> to the servants?
1: His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it.
0: Wow. Whatever he says to you, do it. That's what she says to the servants, right? Whatever he says to you, do it. Well, couldn't that little theme, isn't that out of Joseph there back in Genesis and this one right here in the wedding of Cana, this literally about Jesus. Isn't that a sweet little summary of how, what we're supposed to do. It's not just about talking the talk, talking a good game. You got to walk the walk. Whatever he says to you, do it. You've got to do it. That's what the whole of scripture is about. The way that Swedenborg puts it in his lovely Swedenborgianese is the whole word is the doctrine of life. You know, the entire thing is telling you how to live your life. So if you think this is about how many angels can dance on the head of a pin, or how can I get away with keeping on sinning, or something like that, you're missing the entire point. If it's about a theological debate, or investing, investigating this manuscript tradition, and whether there were four or five Isaiahs, or 18, or whatever, you're missing the point. The word is to live. The whole thing is something that is to be lived by. Whatever he says to you, Do it. Do it. I love that. Isn't that awesome? And that's what Jesus was doing. So part of his purpose in coming into this world was to live the scripture. Now, he had a little advantage, but I would say that he had two secret weapons, and one of them is available to us. Uh, One secret weapon was that his soul was God Almighty, you know, like that's who he was inside. We don't have that on our side. That is not always as much of a blessing as you might think. He went through a rather difficult time. But uh, he had something in that way that we don't have. But his other secret weapon was that whatever Scripture said, he did it. And that is something we can have or we can at least approximate or emulate or try to do, to try to live by that. I, I, at the risk of repeating myself, I just, I'm so amazed at the thought that he lived whatever it said. If it said, go to the Gentiles or do this or that, heal people. Okay, I'll heal people. It said, tell people not to tell anybody. Okay, I'll tell them not to tell anybody. Whatever it said, he did it. Now, do you also see, friends, that his reading of Scripture was very deep, right? Because you don't just see, oh, there's Daniel in the lion's den, and that one must be Jesus, or there's this story, and that one must be, you know, you don't, it's not real obvious if you're reading in a very literal way, you don't see sort of Jesus in every story And uh, you could perhaps be forgiven for reading the Old Testament and not discerning, uh, you know, the same as the people on the road to Emmaus, that that meant that Jesus would come into the world, he'd be a great healer and preacher and teacher, and he would be killed and would rise on the third day. You know, Uh, that's not sort of right there on the surface. And yet Jesus chided them. Foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets said. That was what that whole story was all about. And the whole story was about him coming into this world and living the story. While we're in John, let's look back at chapter 1 at a verse that we cite a lot in here. Very important <coughs> verse. Look at John verse one, chapter 1 verse 14.
1: And the word became flesh. And okay,
0: the- it did what? became flesh. Oh. So did it. Did it happen quickly or slowly, I wonder. It became flesh. I what I, the way I was thinking about that today, I think that means a number of different things and it could just mean okay, that physical body came into the world and so on. So it became the word became flesh. But I'm also thinking today that that flesh became more and more and more and more the Word. You see what I mean? Like, like he, was, he was living it more when he was 30 than when he was 12 and more when he was 31 than when he was 30. He became more and more the Word. He became the embodiment of the Old Testament because he was living by all of it and even up to the crucifixion, you know, at the crucifixion. Look at how much it talks. In the, all four Gospels are talking about this is fulfilling Scripture. And I think that may be just a way of saying, this is not just some random bizarre act that happened here. You know, this was the plan. This, this is this is how this was supposed to go. Uh, so important that right there, all those things that happened were fulfillments of Scripture. And Jesus is following Scripture to the very end. And you see him in agony on the eve before the crucifixion. And he, he said, if this... Let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want, he says to to God, you know, to his own own soul kind of thing in that state of being feeling separated from it. And uh, and he kept going. And part, I would submit, of what was so hugely successful about his life was that he lived the word God until his last breath on this planet did he not i mean he was still quoting scripture he was doing what it said forgiving his enemies being love not taking revenge you know no matter how bad it felt seeing himself as living in psalm 22 okay now i got to the part that's in psalm 22 you know and he must have felt so often like, oh, now I'm in Isaiah. You know, now here's what I read in Jeremiah and everything. This is his, his story. That level of devotion to keep at it is just amazing. And so what does that teach us? Whatever he says to you, do it. We all fall short and we all, all fail in this, do we not, Friends. Uh, And yet what a great recipe to try to follow in living our lives that if the book says repent, if the book says forgive, if the book says be strong and of good courage or, or whatever it says, to walk forward into that, to live, to live the just shall live by faith. Everybody thinks the faith word in that phrase is important. It's the live by that's important, I think. The just will be those who live by their faith. Others who don't live by their faith don't become righteous. Uh, That's not how it works. Just shall live by faith. If we can deploy in any shadow of a way the word in our lives to let it change us that much, to risk everything in following the word. I mean, it's a challenging message. It says you follow this and, you know, the servant's not greater than the master. You're going to suffer the same things that the Lord went through and so on in some degree or another. It will feel often, Paul says, I die daily. It will often feel like it's killing you. Um, But do it. Because the other part of the story is what happens right after Good Friday, which is that Jesus is resurrected in his glory and fills all the heavens in the whole world And how he got there was he followed Scripture. He understood it better than anybody ever understood it. He followed it to the letter, so much so that there really wasn't any difference between him and that word. And what happened to him as a result of following that that was that he could say all kinds of things that weren't. Literally in the Old Testament, but they were the word because he said them, because he had become the word, you know. So whatever he said was the word because he lived it so much. It was just coming out of him day and night, that compassion, that truth and that love, that understanding of what human beings are and their frailties, how they need to get away from hell, what, what, what's good, what's evil, all that um, So can we challenge ourselves, friends, to live by the word? What an example he left behind there. And just to riff on this for a little second as well, how amazing that anything in the name of Christianity ever managed to convince anybody on the planet that you shouldn't live it or that you don't have to. And that what Jesus did by coming to this world was to take away the need to follow it. Jesus died for that. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, All your sins are forgiven. Just get baptized. Everything's taken care of. You don't have to follow the word. How amazing is it? We should all look around in our closets and see if we can find a machine. You may have a machine in your house uh, that is a lie detector, and you could put that in there, plug it in, Set the timer, sometimes you can run it overnight, sometimes it only takes an hour, and it'll go ding, that's a lie from hell. Uh, put it in there and see who wants you, who, who is incentivized to say, don't change. Is that the Lord or is that hell that would say, don't live it, you don't have to live it, just stay where you are, don't, don't develop, don't change anything. Uh, Just stay the way you are. Uh, Hopefully we all have one of those lying around the house somewhere so we can tell these lies from hell. Stick it in there, run the machine and figure it out. That's a lie from hell. I'm not saying that everybody who believes that is from hell. There are lots of good people who've been taught that and carry that around in their heads, and yet they're still living good lives. Uh, But that in itself, that teaching is from hell. Uh, You have to live the word. The only thing Jesus did, the only thing he did while he was here, Was to live by the word that's exactly everything that he did and he became that that's how he was glorified That's how he's able to bless us. That's why right after it says the scripture was fulfilled. It says repent Repent that's what we have to do That's the primary thing that we have to do to follow the scripture and that will take us through an amazing journey of change and development and the Lord will eventually scoop out some of our innards, and replace some of that with Himself, and uh, we'll enter into a partnership with the Lord, and it'll be wonderful. All right? <laughs> Does that sound good? Great. Thank you, friends. Let's close with a prayer. Hmm. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we thank you. We're awed and humbled by your example, and you're showing us what the word truly is, and that truly you came not to destroy that law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And you fulfilled them in every most magnificent way till the last breath of your life in this world. Help us, Lord, as we go through our journey in this world. We would be with you. We would follow the word as you followed the word. Teach us, Lord, to have that strength and carry us all the way to the last breath of our lives. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. As in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. As we also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's follow the word, friends, and repent. Amen.